0: Across the UK, online and on DAB. (laughs) Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio.
2: Fembot can go to hell.
0: Topical talk, outspoken opinion and inspirational conversation on the hour of badass power.
3: Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators but no one compares.
0: Minter, Campbell and Sexton are your all new Saturday night super squad. Badass Women's Hour on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. One, two, three.
4: Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Emma Sexton and Natalie Campbell. And as ever, we'll be bringing you all the news and views from our week. Starting off with Do You Have Faux Mum? fear of missing out on motherhood but we'll also be looking at are there just too many days in the calendar to remember which one is for what and coming up later on the show we'll be talking to Gina Miller the woman behind the campaign to really question article 50 and Brexit but first up we're talking to Jenny Stallard a journalist at Metro who wrote a really interesting article on the phenomenon of faux mum. Jenny tell us a little bit about it.
5: Hiya. Um, yeah, so the idea with faux mom is it's FOMO, but with motherhood. So not people who would like to be a mum and are perhaps pondering, you know, going through that process. It's more women who don't know if they want to be a mum, but are seeing friends, colleagues, celebrities becoming mums and wonder if they're missing out on that experience. It, something started ticking in my brain when I, I kept seeing all these pictures of people like Beyonce and, and Clooney and so on.
4: And it's interesting that something started ticking in your brain rather than ticking in your body, because that's what we usually (laughs) think of biological clock right? right? That's so uh, true, yeah. (laughs) for, For other women out there who might be experiencing the same thing, what would you recommend they do or think about?
5: Um, I think in my experience it's a good idea to step away from the social media nice. um, and I think the other thing is maybe just make some choices that are to do with your life now, you know.
4: Emma, oh, I know you feel mum. really strongly about this, why is that?
3: Yeah, I do because, you know, I'm 40 and I've known from a very young age, from the age of about 11 I think, that I did mm. not want children and from the, my late 20s up until about a couple of years ago I was constantly getting questioned on my choice of, of not mm. wanting children and I think for me I found it really hard because I was 99% sure. But like mm. Jenny says, every now and again, and even when I saw Beyonce the other week, there was a bit of me that went, am I missing out on that? And we had read reading. And she was like, I've created life. And there was a bit of me that went, oh, am I going to miss out on that? But then I thought, I, I don't want a child enough to go through the pregnancy, to have, like, I don't. And I think if you genuinely want to be a mother, that drives you. But I've really struggled that there've been no role models. So there was never an alternative choice. And when everybody around you, is the majority you do have lots of days where you do question it and it's a it is a big thing to do so i'm with jenny i think we just need more role models so people can can make their choice
4: and also for the people that actually i think there's a big pressure on women to make that choice to have children and if that choice is just not happening for you you can feel like you've really missed out or that you're not a proper woman or that you're not doing what's expected of you and we don't show enough of the alternatives nat do you agree yeah,
5: I've a whole spectrum of friends that had babies at 16, in their 20s, friends that uh, have frozen their eggs when they when they got to 40. So these conversations have come up quite a bit. Personally, I want kids. I have no understanding of where the man that's you know going to give me the sperm is, uh, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Um, so, the conversation that goes on in my mind, especially when i i 'm having baby baby TV moments, which is where I see a cute baby, and I just stare at them um, that was that sounded quite evil when I, where I said stare at them just you know, staring at them lovingly because they 're cute. Uh, the thing that goes on in my head is is the when, and then the when turns into a bit of an anxiety and, and i I don't like myself for it when I when I have those moments so I do I'd have to kind of talk to myself. Uh I agree with Jenny. It, if it's constantly in your feed, sometimes you have to switch it off. Um my friends are quite my friends with babies are quite good about making sure they talk about other things other than their children and they they can kind of see it you know when there's a when there's a mixed group they can kind of see the sort of the eyes glaze over at a certain point. Uh, And they're very open and honest about it. They're like, Would you prefer that I stop? And friends that are there will say, Yeah, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I think it's about having a balanced conversation with your friends if it is something that, you know, half the group are experiencing and the other half aren't.
4: Nice. Nice. Thank you very much for joining us, Jenny. My pleasure. Thanks, ladies. Thank you. So the other story we were talking about this week is um, I don't know if you know, but yesterday was actually my favourite day of the year. Uh, Not my birthday, but in fact, um, International Puppy Day. (gasps) And I it missed makes, it. I know it makes me so happy because my Instagram feed is just filled with pictures of puppies. but I did. I was aware that it came on the back of International Happiness Day, International Poetry Day, and I'm and on Sunday is Mother's Day. I'm a bit over the days now. Why are we so bombarded with them? Where have they all come from?
5: Good question. Uh, One of the the days is a UNESCO day. Um, So uh, the Poetry Day is is an actual uh, UNESCO designated day. Uh, I think it started in 1999. And uh, the International Day of Happiness is a UN mandate, but it was um, catalyzed by Action for Happiness and and Richard Layard, who's kind of, you know, one of the godfathers of of the happiness movement. And I do think it's important to have these times when, when you can reflect or just have an excuse to remember the the points or the you know what it takes to be happy or to stare at lots of photos of puppies with everything that's happening in the world maybe we do need mandated days a bit like Valentine's Day mandated days to love each other and to hug each other and make it okay so
4: one of the things that was really interesting to me this week obviously um, there was the attack in Westminster and I had this really weird juxtaposition of my news feeds which were kind of violence and hatred and fear and then beautiful Instagram quotes and sort of slightly saccharine cliches. Um, you know, love is enough and all that. And I was, I don't know, I was kind of confused by it. Emma, how did you feel? Yeah, I think,
3: you know, those attacks this week have been have been awful and... Uh it's been really hard to to see that but and i'm the same i'm like oh you know on the way to the to the station to today i was thinking to myself oh i you know i've made it till the end of the week and then i had remembered i was like some people didn't make it to the end of the week but you know i just it's such a hard one but i think we have to i don't know appreciate all those moments of, of good stuff to balance out the the tough stuff i guess
4: and that do you think it helps to actually have kind of larger governmental organizations stepping in and saying actually let's designated day just to the concept of happiness or let's remember actually all the amazing poetry that's out there in the world
5: I mean I don't want to bore anyone with the frameworks that sit behind this but part (laughs) of the reason that the UN or or other organisations do this is so they can collect data on what it means to be happy and so that they can have conversations at a governmental level to say, well, instead of just counting GDP, so the economics of your country, why don't you also look at well-being and how happy the people that live in, in, the, in, in, in your country are? So there is, you know, the, the, there is more to it. Puppy day, I'm like, yeah. I, I think that's just an excuse to chuck some cute photos up. I, personally, I'm like, what's that? What's that? Anna? Meerkat day? Give me a meerkat day. I think they are the cutest I, thing ever. And I'm, the puppy
3: day, I can totally get down with. But I missed that, absolutely gutted. But what I don't get down with is Valentine's Day, that my sister always calls Clinton Cards Day. Um, but basically, like some of those are clearly marketing PR campaigns. I'm not particularly down with those. Okay. Like, let's not love can each other on one other day. One that I love, yeah,
5: Champagne Week in October. Of course. Ooh, is there yeah. a vodka week? There must be.
3: I mean, there's a gin week. Yeah. If there's not, not a
4: vodka week. If there's not, I'm babe, starting just one. Get on to 11th of July, my birthday. <laughs>
3: <laughs> International Vodka Day.
4: <laughs> okay. And then our final story this week is a really big one, huge one. So, um, March the 29th has been officially announced as the day that Article 50 will be triggered by Parliament, um, which means that Brexit, which is this weird concept that we've had kind of hanging over us for a few months now, is about to become a reality I think. Is it that? Is that what's going to happen?
5: Yes. So uh, on, on, on Wednesday uh, that is the point where we go into the the, the negotiation process with the European Union, with Parliament, um, the thing that concerns more. So when I, when I heard that Wednesday you know the 29th of the day there was a part of me that was just full of anxiety that said right block it out it's it's not happening immediately just block it out there are other things going on in the world but I actually think on Wednesday I might need to have a stiff drink because I don't like not knowing things and not knowing what the next two years is going to look like and feel like especially running my own business I just it filled me with a lot of ang- I can feel it now and I'm I'm worried I wasn't worried for a lot of this and now I'm worried
3: see I I was worried when it first happened I'm not worried now I have this mentality that I apply to everything which is I trust that it's going to be okay and I trust that I'm going to work out a way to make it okay. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, I know what you're saying. Like, there's no guarantee. Like, we don't know what's going to happen. I don't actually really know what's going to happen tomorrow. And, like, I think as human beings, we think that we've got control and we think that things are going to progress and we can make these plans and, you know, we can plan our businesses. But, you know, like, world events are happening like a one in ten year event is now happening about six times a year so I'm just a bit like I've just got to trust that it's going to be okay i than going to spend my entire time wanting to stay in my house and hide All right, under can my Can we have a
5: call on Wednesday in the morning and can you just yeah, say totally. exactly I'll that I'll be like that's
3: totally fine We'll work something out. We're entrepreneurs. We're creative thinkers. You can solve any problem. Emma, do you, think
4: Brexit ang- <laughs> do you think Brexit anxiety is being blamed for stuff when it really shouldn't be? So, like, at the moment, they're saying the house market is kind of flatlined because everybody's too afraid to buy or sell. They don't know what to do. A friend of mine is going on holiday next week. She's like, I don't know if I buy my euros now. Do I buy them later? Another friend is convinced her boyfriend is about to propose, but he wants to wait until after Brexit just to find out what's going to happen with that and what their situation is like. Are we just using it as an excuse now? Yeah.
3: Yeah, we're just we're anxious about everything like
4: everything
3: (laughs) as social media the phone like i mean like i just can't i can't spend my life being anxious i could die tomorrow in fact this week people you know got up went to do their day thought they were going to come home and they didn't so what are you going to spend your last 24 hours of your life freaking out about something that you have absolutely no control of i'm certainly not thanks
4: great life <laughs> advice for president yes <laughs> vodka for everyone of what the EU we don't know. Um, so great life advice thanks Ems uh, so coming up in the next section we'll actually be talking more Brexit with somebody who really does know hopefully a bit more about it than us which is the amazing Gina Miller campaigner and activist and we'll be asking her all about what it feels like to really work on something that you believe in and face criticism about it. And then, of course, we'll also have our badass balls up, so we'll try to solve your problems, bringing all our wisdom and solutions and probably really bad ideas to them. (laughs) And if you want to join in, as ever, follow us on the hashtag BAWH. Stay tuned for that.
0: Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. On Talk Radio, she'll get you talking.
4: Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour, three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton and we're also joined by a woman that has basically been our Woman Crush Wednesday for the last year we love her, she's amazing, Gina Miller. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. I feel like I, if I had my soundboard I'd be making all sorts of sounds and cheery noises
5: for you but I don't have one. So
4: no, sweet babe. Um, so... Gina, can you give us like a little bit of background about you? Because everybody knows of you as this amazing kind of Brexit activist. Mm-hmm. But how did you get into that?
2: Well, I've always been an activist. <laughs> I think from the time I was a child, if I ever saw something I thought that was wrong or somebody was being bullied, I can't actually ever remember not being a mischief maker or a nosy parker <laughs> or, you know, just wanting to put, make things right. I think it's part nature, part nurture. Mm-hmm. But I can't, literally can't ever remember not thinking I was superwoman. <laughs> and that I could rescue the world. I mean, that that's just the sort of child I was and the sort of woman I am.
4: And do you think, how are you feeling now? Obviously, next week, uh, triggering Article 50. How do you feel about that? Uh,
2: so many mixed emotions. Mm. It's um, disappointment, um, regret uh, that, you know, the way the whole campaign was fought. Um, nervousness about what's going to happen as we go forwards. Um, And then having to be then really strong and just thinking we have to just get on with this now and we have to be positive and we have to try and make the best of every day. um, And just some of it hope as well that, you know, we hope things will be all right. But knowing that there is so much. I mean, we've basically, if you think about it this way, we've put 40 odd years of this intricate tapestry together Mm. and we're about to unpick it with a needle.
5: Mm.
2: And if you think of it that way, you just, where do they start we just have to get on with it.
4: So are you more... on? Um, we were talking about this before you came on, which was Emma was saying, that actually, you just have to take the attitude, it'll be okay, and I will make sure that it is okay. Is that where we should be?
2: I am really worried about just letting the government get on with it because they don't have the time, the skills, or the. it seems to be a plan. So I will not just let them get on with it. I think everybody has to keep an eye on them because, as we saw in Parliament the MPs have no backbone. Goodness only knows, you know, I fought really hard for them and then they voted against themselves. Mm. So <laughs> um, so I think we just need to go, absolutely get on with it because, you know, until we do, we won't see what we'll get. But uh, at the same time, you've got to keep an eye on them.
4: Yeah. Vigilance is the watchword. <laughs> <Yeah>. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but of course, as well as kind of being this Brexit campaigner, which is what you're known for, you're also a businesswoman. Nat, did you want to ask about that? Yeah, so I... I I
5: think when people think that I'm I'm going to use the word success and I I mean it in a different way, but when someone becomes a a public profile, everyone Mm -hmm. assumes that, you know, it was overnight (laughs) that you weren't doing anything the day before. And the reality is, is you've run multiple business businesses. You're a very successful businesswoman. You've been taking corporates to task for years, getting them to change the way they do business and the way they operate. So tell us more about that. Tell us more about the businesswoman.
2: Well, actually, I started um, way back in the 90s when I decided that I was going to take on men's... I mean, I've always been quite an adrenaline junkie. I think that's the thing. I've always thought what I want to do is go out there, be disruptive and change industries. Mm. Um, and so I started doing that in the financial services sector. I believe I started one of the first financial services specialist agencies back in 96. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've got now a very disruptive investment business because um, I think the city's not working and the charity sector do the same. Um, I've always invested in society, mm. because I believe in what I call a triple bottom line. I think it's not just about, it's interesting you mentioned success, but I think it's actually about profit, people and the planet. Mm-hmm. And everything I've done is built on those principles. So I've been f- very activist, and very vocal, because the one thing I have had is the belief that um, we only own three things. One is our voice, the other is our actions, and the third is our conscience. And we have to use them. We cannot live in regret. And that's the way I live my life.
5: People, can you see why she's <laughs> yeah. like, what the Wednesday. <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting here wanting to like high-five you over the table. <laughs> I can't contain myself.
3: But I, you're, you know, you've got this continued drive though. And I, I love what you're doing in terms of like this passion for fairness and thinking about people and consciousness. You've got your true and fair campaign for getting more transparency in the financial industries. Like, um, like what, keeps, what keeps you going? Mm. What keeps you wanting to do this, to keep driving this change?
2: I think I, um, my father, my parenting echo in every chamber of my life every day. And the fact that I was brought up on very simple things that, you know, anything can happen tomorrow, you can lose everything tomorrow. And I am who I am by an accident of birth. I might have been born someone else. All those sorts of things. And that humbleness that I was brought up with is something that keeps me going. And I just think um, I believe in something called conscious capitalism. Mm -hmm. As you become successful, you have to give back to the society that afforded your success because that is your moral duty. And I really... Talk to my children about that. I give school children, everyone, everywhere, can make a difference.
3: Yeah, that really seems to be missing. I find that in, in business as well. That I, you know, I've never understood why you can't make money and still deliver, you know, good things with that business.
2: It's quite interesting when people talk about success because they'll say, "Well, you haven't been as successful as you should have been or could have been." And I say, "Yes, but I made choices. I made the choice that I wanted to have. I was interested in your earlier conversation about children mm. because I chose to have my daughter very early." So I didn't want to take a break later in life. Mm -hmm. But then life happens. She was starved of oxygen. She has special needs. Um, You just get on with it. And I chose to look after her rather than sending her away. But that made me happy. And that Mm -hmm. was the sort of success. I wanted to be a successful mother as well as a successful businesswoman. Mm
4: -hmm. And so how do you kind of keep, because that's a lot of stuff to take on. (laughs) (laughs) Successful mother, successful businesswoman. You've been an activist. How do you keep your resilience levels up when people are kind of fighting against you?
2: Well, I think one thing is I don't sleep a lot, which is
4: probably <laughs> a
2: good thing. I'm a mental fidget. I mean, it, honestly, I just go to I go to sleep when I'm exhausted because I've just done so much in the day. But I just feel there is so much to be done. Um, and I just would feel, you know, I call it the pillow test. When my he- head hits the pillow, do I think I've done the most and the best I could do that day? Mm. And that's the way I am. Um, but and the resilience thing... Uh, My children say I used to be a lioness, now I'm a rhinoceros. (laughs) 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 Because I have had to become even tougher than I was. And I sort of get up in the morning and put on sort of invisible armour because I know I'm very realistic about what I'm doing and the fact that I'm putting myself out there. But I'm very comfortable with who I am and why I'm doing what I do.
4: And how do you handle, um, particularly during the Brexit campaign, you've got a lot of very misogynistic very, <laughs> I mean, horrendous online abuse and we know that's been a big problem for all women in the public eye how did you handle that
2: I I am shocked by what I've received and the death threats and everything else but three things have really stu- stood out for me which I find really troubling about views of women one is that if you're a successful woman, you must be a bitch. Mm-hmm. You can't possibly be a decent, nice person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one is that I can't be bright enough to have done this on myself. So there must be really bright, rich men behind me pulling mm-hmm. my strings. Mm-hmm. Um, and the third one, which is that my husband can't be equal to me. If I'm this dominant dominatrix, he must be really weak. Mm-hmm. And that I, oh, strong women only marry weak men. So these sorts of stereotypes I find absolutely shocking. Yeah. Um, and the idea that if you're successful, it's not, you know, you're a target. And as a woman, you can be, you know, every part of your life can be ransacked. Well, that's not normal and it's not acceptable. And I want everyone to start speaking out about that. Because it just is, you know, I, I've met um, reporters, um, MPs, people, successful women who say, Gina, it's normal. And I say to them, stop saying It's normal. <laughs> We've got yeah. to speak
3: out about it. Yes, totally agree with that. It's just not. It's just not on the way. It just makes everything harder for us.
5: But I think we're seeing a rise in women wanting to be activists and wanting to change things. Mm-hmm. What would your advice be for a woman that you know being an activist? It's, it's never even occurred to them. They were they were getting on with their day to day life. What would your advice be to her? Help sort of the one thing.
2: Don't ever lose your femininity. You don't mm-hmm. have to be shrill to be an activist. Mm-hmm. You can be dignified, be respectful, um, and and. Be who you are. Really be who you are. You don't have to become somebody else to be strong. Um, and the only person who will ever stop you is the one looking back at you in the mirror. Yeah. Nobody else can stop you. Such I love advice.
3: that. I love that. And we- I love the femininity thing as well. That's always been my stance. Is like, you know, society and also business just only values masculinity, only values that kind of typical alpha behavior and I really want to see like more women like yourself who are just staying true to being a woman and being feminine but you know have a, just a different way of doing business and that being just as valued and not questioned. I have a different take
5: on this so at the, you're changing things from the outside have you ever considered going into the heart of politics and becoming a politician?
2: <laughs> I wouldn't last a minute I don't think
5: um, because I hate the adversarial nature of
2: politics and I think Politics has actually lost its soul. Mm. Um, you become a politician to try and help people and do. And there are great politicians out there, but the system of politics, you know, the, the heckling that goes on in the chamber, you know, I call it politics needs womanizing. Yeah. It needs to be, you know, more collegiate and yeah. respectful, and it's not. That's why I wouldn't go into it. I think you can be more powerful outside politics right now.
5: Okay.
4: And so, what's the next thing for you? What are the next <laughs> things you're going to be
2: working on? Um, so, I'm. I, be, I think there will be an op, there'll be a power grab going on throughout this brexit process both by by the government and the executive um, but also by certain businesses who yeah. want low regulation, low tax environment um, and low when I say low regulation I mean uh, consumer protection, environmental protection. so we've got to be really vigilant on that. To, and that's one of the things I'll start looking at is, is looking at the transparent nature of the negotiation process.
4: And how can um, people listening today, what's the one thing they can do to hold business and government accountable during this process?
2: I think don't um, stay silent. You've got to speak out and speak up and ask questions because if you stay silent, you, that will be interpreted as permission. Mm. So, you know, I got told the other day by somebody who writes lots of letters to MPs and they say, oh, it just ends up in the bin. I said, write more, let that bin overflow. Just let them know that you're watching and you're there.
4: Brilliant. Thank you. Gina Miller, I think, completely showing why she is our <laughs> technical girl crash of the week. Um, thank you so much for joining us coming up we're going to be talking about our badass balls-ups which are your problems the things that are worrying you the stuff you wish you had a more badass approach to and we're going to help you get that in our next section and of course if you've got a question that you want to share with us you can always find us on twitter at badass women's hour hr at badass women's hour or on instagram or on facebook all the socials um or you can follow our has- hashtag b a w h
0: They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell, and Emma Sexton. On Talk Radio, she'll get you talking.
4: Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my colleagues Emma Sexton and Natalie Campbell. And this week we are very excited to have the amazing campaigner and activist Gina Miller with us. So excited, in fact, that we actually just totally forgot what we were doing, but we're back now <laughs> on one track. Um, so coming up in the next section, we are going to be looking at our badass balls-ups, which are your problems, the issues that you're worrying about and trying to well, we're going to give some advice and then actually we're just going to let Gina give better advice. That's probably what's (laughs) going to happen. (laughs) So, uh, Ems, what is the first question this week? Uh, So, the question I have is from
3: a friend of mine who's dating this guy. They've been together a good, like, 18 months and his ex features quite a lot in their life and she's going, I think he's still in love with her they still have a they still have contact they still see each other and she's like should i be worried about this is this okay so i was interested to get your perspective on this because i think it's a tricky one right
4: i think it's a tricky one just because actually you're probably never gonna know the nature of that relationship so you can't control that you can only control your reaction to it and i mean I've done some crazy things when it comes to like my ex's exes. exes. Like, quite, quite, quite crazy. Um, in my quest for knowledge, right? I just, I research, no research. Yeah, I wanted to know. And I remember like googling one of them, and he, she turned out to be this kind of tall, leggy brunette. And I'm quite like a short Shetland pony esque <laughs> redhead. And I, you know, I got really insecure about it. I was like, oh, why is he with me when he was with her? You know, actually, you just you can let it go you are where you are they're choosing to be in a relationship with you at that moment be with them and let the other stuff go Nat do you agree
5: yeah I'm of the mind that uh, your gut tells you things for a reason yes. so if you think something is going on it's probably going on I'm, we've said this before I'm not a searcher I have no time to search your stuff but if I think something's going yeah. on and I ask you and I still think something's going on then your bags will be packed and waiting yeah. outside for you the next time you come home that's oh, all
4: that you know, Gina are you that harsh <laughs> absolutely and not (laughs) not, not only that but
5: I actually agree the gut is your second
2: brain you should listen to it it really is that that old saying the gut feeling but also he he sounds like he's being greedy I'm sorry he wants (laughs) to take it easy so he's got to make a choice and she should just ask him and say I'm you know if you love and respect me it is me not her yeah and that's it
3: and it depends on their friendship because I think you get that gut feeling when boundaries are being crossed. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're excluded from that friendship, it's probably not okay. Where if you're included in their old exes, like, yeah, you, I think you know as a woman, don't you, what's, what's safe, what's you being perhaps a bit neurotic about it and what is absolutely, like, not okay.
4: Yeah, and I also think, you know, the other thing is actually what's going on in this ex's life? Like, does she have a partner? Is he not concerned about it? Like, I just want to put a little, maybe a little bit of a line. But ultimately, I do think it is about your relationship, not theirs. Um, just to have the final word then. Uh, Nat, what's your problem of the week? So
5: this week I was WhatsApping with a friend and she was sending me photos of a woman that was standing on her. Uh, and she was like, mate, should I... She was
4: what? sending you photos what? of oh, sorry. a woman. Who was standing. Sorry, <laughs> it's
5: because I could see the photos. She was on the tube and she okay. was sending me photos of a woman that was sta- literally like had placed all of her body weight and bags on oh, her. She was sitting down. This woman was just completely encroaching on her space. And then she sent me a photo of a woman eating her porridge. And so her question to me was, "Mate, would you say something a to the woman that's all over me and b to the woman that's out here, you know, scoffing porridge in a bowl with a metal spoon, not you know, not even a mixer." Uh, actual she took it from her kitchen <laughs> made her breakfast and left the house that's was
3: phenomenal it. time management uh,
5: <laughs> I mean, like, she was taking photos of, of this and sending it to me saying what would you do
4: tube etiquette yes. Emma is it okay to
3: eat porridge on the tube I think do what you like on the tube but it just can't affect me so I don't mind you like do your makeup, eat your sandwich I don't care maybe don't eat like I don't know there's some like strong smelling foods or like don't spray your hair with hairspray but I don't know I'm pretty like just get on with it
4: Gina, what do you think? Do you uh, public transport? Do people get in your space? Does it annoy you?
2: It, well, uh, on a realistic level, I don't go on public transport anymore <laughs> because I kind of like life goal right there. But uh, um, the 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 fact is, I do find some of the behaviours on on tubes and train and public spaces really worrying. And the reason I say that, for example, when I was going on the tube, I one morning I was sitting there and there was a man watching on his iPad a pornographic film, mm. and there were school kids around him. And the boys were all peering over. And he just sat there and continued watching it. I'm sorry, but that's not acceptable. No. And so I went over and told him and the abuse I got. Really?
1: From I him. From him. Oh, from, from, yeah. from him.
2: It was and nobody else stood up or said anything else. And I just said, I'm sorry, but you're poisoning their brains. You have to stop now. Mm. And it was other people just they were shocked that I actually did that but I think you need to if somebody's doing their or encouraging your space somebody has to speak up it's just not that's really
4: interesting because we are I remember having this conversation with somebody a while ago about, and they said I never ever speak up on a tube because you never know who you're talking to and what the responses you're going to get back and um, a few quite a while ago I was on the tube and it was very very busy I was getting on and the woman behind me who was quite heavily and obviously pregnant um, was kind of trying to squeeze on as well and there was a guy who was just standing in the way and making life difficult for everyone, not getting out of the way, not like allowing her to get to a seat. And I just turned to him and said, oh, "Excuse me, can you move so this lady can sit down?" And he went, "Oh my gosh, I'm I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry." Moved out the way very politely. At which point, his girlfriend stood behind me. was like, "What are you saying to him? How dare you talk to him like that?" And like, um, and it actually has really put me off, like confronting people on the tube. It really has. But when they're doing stuff like that, Gina, you have to, right? Have oh, to I get shouted
2: at. I mean, I remember being I, everywhere. I remember being at an airport, and this this woman was slapped her little child. I mean, she had three children. She was just so stressed. And I went up and started talking to her and said, "Can I help or whatever?" And she just turned around and and started screaming at me. So I hugged her. So oh. I just gave her a hug. And my husband, who by the way is just given up on me a long time ago, <laughs> he said his views. He says one day, Gina, something really serious is going to happen to you. And I said, "Well, actually." It will or it won't. Really, who knows? Who knows? Um, But, you know, she just melted. I could feel her physically. Mm. And then she said, I'm really sorry. Of course, can you help me? You know, people are struggling. And I think reaching out is not a bad thing.
4: Mm. Reaching out, I think that's true. We don't do that enough. Maybe it's kind of confronting people, but with kindness and compassion rather than just... Stop eating your porridge in my face. <laughs> um, so our final question for this week. Um, so this comes... This is actually me. This is my problem. I can have this. Yeah. So I have just... Um. For those of you who don't know, as well as doing this and lots of other stuff, I also run a training program for um, future female leaders. It's very good. You should do it. Um, but it's got so popular that I've now kind of got quite a lot of them running. And doing them all myself is too much. It's just too much i don't have time for it but i i still want to like take on the work and get the program delivered because it's brilliant um if i do say so myself <laughs> uh, but i don't know whether i should just bring in a freelancer or a contractor to do that for me or do i now need to start actually taking on staff which feels quite scary emma what do you think
3: uh i think this is there's big businesses I used to work for a big business that had your what you're doing but on a massive scale so they had a load of what's called intellectual property which was their workshops their content that they had created and then they had a training program for coaches who were like freelance people who then would facilitate those workshops and they had coaches notes and they could go out and deliver it because the thing is if you do that you can monetize your intellectual property rather than monetizing your time so you could scale up and then it's the the harriet minter way of (laughs) coaching so absolutely although it feels scary for you that could be a phenomenal way Mm. of you generating income having a wider impact but you not having to physically run around to deliver those courses so there's lots of companies that are already doing that model very successfully
4: given that we're going into this weird kind of brexit period Mm. is this the time to be scaling up your business or should we all just be kind of battling the hatches and waiting to see what's going on?
2: No, I don't, I don't think so, because um, you're never going to know what's around the corner. This is such an unknown unknowns on so many levels. You can't just stop. You have to carry on doing what you do. And I think from your point of view, um, what I'm saying is this whole trainer of trainer idea. So, you know, you train other people to become the deliverers of your programme. And I think that's it's a fantastic model. But as the, the thing that worries me going back to Brexit is actually the level of consumer spending. I don't understand why it's so high. And, you know, as we go through this, people, that's the thing you have to be careful about is, is you know, don't go out there and buy your next big fridge or whatever. It is. Just wait and see, it, unless it's really necessary. I mean, and, you know, your holiday is necessary because that's when you have time with your family and your well-being. You know, you, you collect yourself, but maybe think about it. do you really need that other handbag or that other pair of shoes or that other whatever
4: <laughs> i have a theory on this i think we're anxiety shopping i think people are shopping to kind of yeah Co- for it's comfort. about comfort yeah. eating and comfort yeah. shopping well, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah now what um freelance should i be hiring staff do i actually need like people on the books
5: i'm with em on this i think actually finding a way to maintain your own freedom and give people an opportunity to be their own boss and be free and have their own sense of agency is great um i think hiring staff is it's a commitment like having a family it you know it's like having a baby <laughs> they, they need everything from you in that first iteration uh and unless you're willing to basically have a family tomorrow i i would go the freelance option I mean I- in my businesses what I've done is
2: like a network of specialists who mm. all believe the same principles as me but they're yeah. specialists in, in a particular area because if they're not stepping up and delivering I can sack them and get another one mm-hmm. so <laughs> it's, I, I like having the best suppliers and the best partners yes. and if you employ somebody it's so difficult to you know it's difficult to maintain that same level of commitment mm-hmm. and delivery of and standard
4: brilliant lovely advice there ladies thank you I shall take that on board I'll give you all a cup. <laughs> uh- <laughs> so we're going into our final section now but before we do we want to say a massive thank you to gina miller for joining us today absolute pleasure brilliant (laughs) Uh, coming up we are going to be doing our backdated badass that is a woman from history that you should know about except this week it's a man from history but sort of also a woman from history find out more in our next section
0: Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking.
4: Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Emma Sexton and Natalie Campbell. And as ever, it's time for our backdated badass, a woman from history that we really think you should know more about this week's however goes by the name of james barry and here is a little more information this week we talk about
1: dr james barry a military surgeon who worked for the british army james was born anatomically female and named margaret anne bulky to the impoverished family in ireland in the 1970s margaret was educated with the prospect of becoming a governess but this wouldn't have allowed her to have financial security and independence in a time of economic hardship. Because of this, Margaret started conspiring with her late brother's influential and liberal-minded friends, a way to allow her to get into a university and become a doctor. Margaret Ann Bulkley realised that at the time, the only way to fulfil her dream was to be a man, and so she became one. In 1809, when a letter addressed to James Barry arrived, offering him a spot to study medicine at the University of Edinburgh. Margaret knew what she had to do. Margaret Anne Bulkley then became James Barry, nephew of the late James Barry RA, an Irish romantic painter. James never wore women's clothes again, opting to spend every moment of his remaining 56 years of life as a man. He studied medicine at the University of Edinburgh from 1809 to 1812, and from there went on to have a distinguished career as an army surgeon in Cape Town, the island of St Helena, and Trinidad and Tobago. He was considered a bad-tempered, squeaky-voiced, eccentric man and was often teased by his colleagues. James was never intimidated by this. Instead, he invited his colleagues to duel and even killed one on an occasion. By the end of his career, he had risen to the rank of Inspector General in charge of military hospitals. Among his accomplishments was the first caesarean section in Africa by a British surgeon, in which both the mother and child survived the operation. Throughout his career, he tried to improve sanitary conditions wherever he went and the living conditions and diet of the common soldier. In 1865, James returned to Britain with a bad case of dysentery and eventually died. His maid was the one to lay him out for the funeral and it was then, and only then, that she discovered that James was actually a woman. Speculation and scandal began to spread in the army, with people claiming they knew this all along. Following the discovery, the army did not allow access to James Barry's papers for over 100 years, making them public again only in the 1950s to historian Isabel Ray, who reopened the case. James could be considered either the first medically qualified British woman or the first medically qualified British transgender person. And this is why James Barry, born Margaret
4: Anne Bulkley, is our backdated badass of the week. So, Emma, what was it about James Barry that really stood out to you and made you think that you wanted her or him? for a backdated badass this week. Well, I just love the, I love the determination,
3: actually. And it kind of follows on from the amazing Gina. But just this, clearly, really wanted to be a doctor. Couldn't be a doctor unless she was a man. So um, had these people kind of coerced so that she could fulfill her career ambitions. But not only that, but she then maintained that until her death you know, this, uh I guess, a charade. I mean, unless she was actually transgender or wanted to, to become a man. But I, I don't get that impression from what I read. It definitely looks like she was really passionate about medicine. And that was literally the only way she was going to be able to deliver it. So it's that sheer determination to, to do that as a woman when you were not allowed because of your gender, but then to stay and maintain that. Like that's that's really hard work to not be your authentic
4: self at work, right? Well, I think one thing that really stood out to me in um, in that kind of package we were just listening to, is did she did she was she a woman who had to behave as a man, or was she actually somebody who looked at male life in those days and went, you know what, that is a better life than the one I'm living right now? And they talk about how when she was younger, she wanted financial security and independence, and the only way she could do that was as a man. So she became a man. If you were like, the only way actually I can have my true financial security and independence is to live a life pretending to be someone else, could you do it? No. No? Yeah, yeah.
5: I'd find it really hard, actually.
4: Oh, we're just very lucky, I guess, that we don't have to make that decision? Well, no, it's
5: my no was more, um, I, I I can only live authentically to, to me and, and how I feel and and what makes me happy. And that is... That includes people seeing me as as I am, and, and again going back to having um, Gina here, not being afraid of, of who you are, and putting that forward, even if it's a more challenging circumstance. Obviously, it's the the time that um, James Barry came up in completely different scenario. Um, as a she, she would not have been able to be, you know, in the army and be a medical officer uh, and get to such a high rank. So it was only possible by way of becoming he and i think that is my question are we talking about uh, a, a transgender a transgender person uh or what, what, did she live a life realizing that the only way she could do the thing that she fundamentally loved and wanted to do was by dressing like a man? But we'll never know. And I, I, can't, I, I want to know. It's been dramatized in so many different ways. I, I was looking at sort of you know, the BBC have done a documentary and a few other stations, and it's, it's, it, it's sort of niggling at me not knowing because yeah. if, if it's lots of questions, yeah, right? if if he if he is, is if it's trans if if she. Uh, was one of the first transgender people that we'll ever know about that is equally as amazing as saying actually I'm a woman but I have to be a man in order to do the thing I love
4: and that's really interesting because actually today we still have women who are behaving as men because they believe that's the only way they can get ahead in their particular workplace or in their particular working environment so I'm sure Emma have you had that where you've met women and you're like hang on all these characteristics you're showing me all this behavior you're showing me seems to be actually modeled on the men around you rather than yeah. you as your true self and that's because our working culture and work
3: work has basically been created by men for men and you look at history i mean this is 1826 where women were not allowed to do work and you know so it makes sense that the world is the way it is but that's the problem now we are so conditioned to think that these masculine traits uh you know and this masculine culture in business is the right way and you know things are evolving now and i that's really going to change and and the new skills that we need for the new kind of era that we're going into with technology is we need to have more social skills more empathy a lot of those are more feminine uh, traits so yeah but the other thing I liked about James Barry is he travelled with a menagerie of small animals and I'm like (laughs) I totally could do that. If that was my career goal, just like being a doctor, maybe there's lots of small puppies. He'd have been
4: all over International <laughs> Puppy Day. All over I think it. I so. I think so. Um, and the other thing that I really liked about it was um, when she was younger and she had to make this decision, she made it with the support of her brothers and their friends. Yeah, I you love know, they that. They helped her. Yeah. It's amazing. More guys like that.
5: But again, that, that goes back to the, did she say, oh, this is the thing that I want to do? therefore help me disguise myself as a, as a man um or was it a different life choice I, I, I literally i really 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 want to know and in some of the reports it says that she had a child in some it doesn't mm. so again it's that um did, did she have a family and, and 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 live um i guess a a, a life of of both but having that support network that people are like
3: coercing to help you achieve whatever it is, whether she, you know, wanted to, to cross dress or whether she just wanted to, you know, absolutely be the doctor of all of those to have some people around you to help support that. I mean, that's phenomenal mm. as well, especially that time, like in the you know 1800s.
4: Yeah. And so maybe the flip of that is today, given that we do think there's going to be an increase in kind of feminine skills and the need for their for them maybe what we should be doing is helping the guys show those feminine skills yes oh there's nothing
3: sexier than a man that can be like vulnerable and show his like feminine feminine side I find that really hot
4: no no i do yeah. too but, <laughs> but for a second then Nat and i had to think about it but yes although sometimes other things as well No, anyway. I, I, no
5: my pause was more that i'm i was trying to remember a conversation where you may have said the opposite that's I'm all. sure, really, that where happened. you were like, I, 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 can't deal with a man crying. But I don't know if it was no, you. No, that wasn't me. No, I, no that wasn't. That's me. why I paused and I didn't say anything. Just saying, <laughs> that's all.
4: Okay, um, back to James Barry briefly. <laughs> so that's James Barry, who is our backdated badass for this week. If you want to know more about him, there is a BBC documentary. You can also just really do have a Google because he's got the most. She. He has the most fascinating life, um, filled with questions for us today. Uh, We're nearly at the end of our show, but as ever, when we come to the end, we like to leave you with a thought for the week, something you can live your life by in the next seven days to be even more badass than you already are. So, Nat, what is our badass principle of the week?
5: Our badass principle of the week has been taken from Gina Miller, and it's conscious capitalism. Uh, And it's, you know, the idea that we can think about our role in society as people that generate wealth and money, and income but think about the positive impact that that actually has so w- where we're spending our money if you don't like what a company's doing don't buy their products um if you're running your own business and creating wealth actually you know what are you doing with that can you distribute uh, your 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 money or, or profits or actually invest in in some social causes so conscious capitalism
4: nice i think what did you say it was it was profit people and planet yes the triple bottom line triple bottom line or as i like to think of it show me the money and then donate some of that money to charity (laughs) ever (laughs) can you do conscious capitalism is that for you yeah i think that's
3: that was one of the drivers of my business was you know i i got a lot out of work but i thought there was a lot of things around the working structure the culture of work that was actually quite damaging and didn't make me very happy and doesn't make a lot of other people happy and i think everything that i do i'm trying to challenge that and go can you run a business and still allow people to bring their full selves to work still have you know a good life be treated well you know like to me it doesn't have to be one or one or the other Um, and then yeah how you can have a positive impact on the on the wider community as well
4: and I think it's also about where we spend our money isn't it like actually thinking about are these the brands and products that I want to be investing in supporting and questioning them and what's going Mm, on with them yeah. yeah Well, that is our badass principle for this week. But as ever, if you want to tell us or suggest something that we should have, do let us know. You can find us on Twitter at Badass Women's Hour. That's at Badass Women's Hour, HR. Or you can just tweet us directly. Come talk to us. I'm at Harriet Minter. Nat.
5: At Nat D. Campbell. And
4: Emma. I'm at Emma Sexton. And of course, follow along on the hashtag B-A-W-H. We really want to hear from you. But in the meantime, have an amazing seven days and a fully badass week.
0: Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on talk radio she'll get you talking
4: you've been listening to the Badass Women's Hour podcast if you liked us you can help us out and there are some very simple ways to do that first of all give us five stars five stars please anything less than five stars and a fairy dies or leave us a review telling us how wonderful we are how much you loved our voices and how you can't wait for the next episode which will be here on your podcast downloads next week